0: Thank you so much, Pastor Nelson, for that incredible intro. I'm really excited to uh, preach today. I really hope this message or this series, if you will, Battles and Blessings, has encouraged you. I've heard great feedback from the message last week. Um, it's not you, it's me. And again, I haven't said this in a couple of weeks, but if you've missed any of the sermons or the talks from this series, please go back and watch them. Why is that important? It's important because we are literally building a, um, a pathway, you will, to the things that God has for us as a community. And I don't want somebody hearing all of that and somebody uh, hearing some of it. Now, you might be like me, um, where when you open up something, let's say you open up a, a PlayStation or a video game console or even a... Um, a uh, uh, furniture piece from IKEA, are you the type of person that like likes to uh, put it together without the instructions? It's almost like we want to figure it out on our own, and I think that's kind of like my personality if you're like that. but with the things of God, it doesn't work that way the, the The Bible is God's instructions to believers and to people so that He can get them where He wants them to go And, and I really want to encourage you if you've missed any of the instructions that I believe truly will prepare you for what God has for you. Please go back and watch it. As a matter of fact, some of us should be watching uh, those YouTube stuff on demand more than once because I really believe uh, what God is showing me is going to position us as a church, as a community, uh, to receive all that God has for us. And so we have two more weeks in this series I'm going to do this week. And if some of you have been around a few years, uh, Pastor Wes Dunn, was a pastor on our staff, went to plant a church in North Los Angeles, the Valley, and he'll be closing our series on battles and blessings. And so if you know Wes and you know his ability to communicate, you are are excited to hear from him once again. So I will be doing uh, this week, and you do not want to miss the closing of next week. So this week, uh, I'm going to preach a message to you simply titled Cheat Codes. Cheat Codes. Uh, Does anybody remember having a Nintendo growing up? I'm I'm, uh, definitely dating myself and aging myself. I remember my friends got a Nintendo. Now, my neighborhood, we always got the stuff, the cool stuff, but we never got it first. Um, Usually, by the time someone else was getting a Nintendo, we were just getting a cabbage patch. I'm really uh, (laughs) dating myself at this point. But I got a cabbage patch. This is the way my parents did it, especially my dad. My dad didn't like to spend money. And so when the Cabbage Patch came out in 82, I probably got one for Christmas in 84. And I'm like, dad, I've already moved on to another toy. And you're getting me the toy that's two years old because it's on sale now because you went down to the Kmart. And by the time the Kmart has the Cabbage Patch, nobody wants it anymore, dad. I'm just kind of just vibing a little bit and just venting here. But um Nintendo was legendary. We played this stuff for hours. I was just talking to Pastor Nelson about our top five Nintendo games. I'll give them to you now. My number one for me is Super Mario Brothers. I mean, they've actually, the reason why Super Mario Brothers is number one is they've actually made beats. Hip hop has used the theme the Super Mario and they've rapped over it. Dun, 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 dun. Woo, you know about Super Mario Brothers. Number two for me is Legend of Zelda. Um, I just like it. I just, at that time, wanted to rescue Zelda, you know, and she was amazing. And Link with the bow and arrow. Remember Link? Dude, we're already uh, going back. And then number three for me, which I already forgot. Number three, oh, it wasn't, oh, I'll just bring it up now because I forgot my number three. No, number three was duck hunt, all right? Now, Now, since we're preaching a message called Cheat Codes, this is time to be real. How many of us, like me, played the entire game of Duck Hunt with the gun all the way up to the screen. It was supposed to be, to make it real, you're supposed to stand away from the screen and aim. And I remember as a kid playing an entire day game of Duck Hunt with just the, at point blank range, shooting ducks, cheat code. And then how about number four for me is Tecmo Bowl. Tecmo Bowl. Now, whoever designed Tecmo Bowl If you know this football player, Bo Jackson played for the Raiders. I'm bringing for the fellas who played Tech Mobile. They know we had to have a rule with our friends that they couldn't use the Raiders because Bo Jackson could not be tackled. And he would break every tackle and it was cheating. So we banned the Raiders from being able to play. But my fifth favorite game of all time is a game called Contra. And Contra was like a war game. Uh, it, It didn't have very great graphics, but it was super fun. And then one day this cheat code was discovered that they embedded into the game. And if you put in this cheat code, you would have everlasting lives. Oh, I'm already preaching. This is great. You would have eternal life, literally, like everlasting life. And the cheat code that you had to put in on your Nintendo controller was up, down, up, down, left, right, left, right, B, A, start, and you would have unlimited life. And I had this thought today as I was uh, preparing this message uh, that often in our walk with God, you know, we're in this series, Battles and Blessings, and we really want to have eternal life with God. We really want all the blessings that God has for us, but oftentimes we try to figure out, well, what is the cheat code? What is the way to bypass the process so I can win? What is the fastest way to get this done? And and God doesn't have any cheat codes. God doesn't have anything that he gives you to skip a certain process. And so while we're in this series of battles and blessings, uh, I wanted to pause a moment this week. I'm not going to actually share a scripture from Joshua, although we're going through that book. And and I'm kind of going to preach from this concept that as I was looking through the book of Joshua and all the things that went around it that God wanted to do. And so I'm going to actually read from the book of Deuteronomy today because Deuteronomy uh, verse uh, chapter eight, God was preparing them uh, for what he wanted to do in the promised land. And I want to read to you because um, this is very important. Josh, Deuteronomy uh, chapter eight, verses one through 18 say this, be careful, be mindful. That's what that means. To obey all the commands I'm giving you today, then you will live and multiply You won't need any cheat codes. If you obey God, you will live and multiply and you will enter and occupy the land the Lord swore to give to your ancestors. Remember how the Lord your God led you through the wilderness for these 40 years, humbling you and testing you to prove your character. Man, isn't that deep? Humbling you and testing you to prove your character. And to find out whether or not you would obey his commands. Yes, he humbled you by letting you go hungry and then feeding you. Oh, my God. I let you have a problem that only I could solve. Humility comes from you not having the solution. You know, I realized I went to this pastor's retreat um, because I'm broken and I needed a retreat. No, I, I, I mean, literally, it's just all this stuff came out. And I realized that I have an issue. Um, going to the pastor retreat, I thought I was perfect, discovered that I wasn't. Um, if you think I'm perfect, I'm not. But my, one of my biggest imperfections that I didn't know I had is I think I, I, I didn't realize I, I, I'm a know-it-all. I think I'm an expert. And the reason what I revealed that I think I'm an expert is how much unsolicited, unsolicited advice I offer. And this revelation that God gave me was said that I want you to be an advisor, not an expert. What's the difference? An advisor is activated by the question. An expert is activated by their opinion. And you're often activated by your opinion, not the question. And when someone doesn't ask you a question, You now your opinion starts to. I mean, I've been in our you know, staff, you know, common areas at our old office building, and someone's having a conversation, I'll just jump in and offer what I think. They weren't even talking to me. And I'm just always telling people what I think. On the golf course, people say he's talking about golf again. Yes, I'm talking about I'm working on my handicap and my walk with the Lord. They're related. Let's tell somebody something about their swing, and they're not asking. And it might be a good thing, but they're not asking. And God is saying, I need you to be advisor, not an expert. An advisor has the patience to wait until they're asked. And here's the difference. An advisor also doesn't care if someone takes that advice. Because they're giving the advice not to be heard, but to be loving. And so what I'm realizing from this passage of Scripture is I haven't felt that flow of of wisdom recently, where I know what to do and I know what the vision, and God is saying because I'm, I'm actually humbling you, now you have to rely on me. I'm gonna give you problems that only I have the answer to. Julian, you don't have the answers. Remember when Kanye told Sway, you don't have the answers, Sway. That's what God is literally being Kanye West to me. Julian, you don't have the answers. So I'm gonna put you in a situation that only I have the solution to. And God does that to humble us. Does anybody have a situation that only God has the answer to? It's humbling, isn't it? It's humbling, isn't it? God does that to us sometimes. And he says, and I fed you with manna, a food previously unknown to you or your ancestors. And listen to this, he did it to teach you that people do not live by bread alone. Rather, we live by every word that comes from the mouth of the Lord. You guys, I don't know if you knew this about manna, but manna was an example on how God feeds his people. They were completely reliant on the manna. And what did the manna represent? The manna represented the bread of heaven, Jesus, the word of God. So he's saying, I'm going to put you in a season where if you don't have daily manna, I'm, where, where if you don't have daily manna, you will not survive. If you're not hearing from God daily, you're not going to make it. You can't live off Julian's message from last week. You can't live off the sermon series. You need, to be, I, you need to wake up in the morning and there needs to be fresh manna, fresh words from heaven, and he does this to humble us so we can learn to rely on him. And listen to this in verse 4, for all these 40 years, your clothes didn't wear out and your feet didn't blister or swell. Think about it. Just as a parent disciplines a child, we talked about that last week, the Lord your God disciplines you for your own good. So obey the commands of the Lord your God by walking in his ways and fearing him. For the Lord your God is bringing you into a good land of flowing streams and pools of water with fountains and springs that uh, gush out in the valleys and hills. It is a land of wheat and barley, of grapevines, fig trees, and pomegranates of olive oil and honey. It is a land where food is plentiful and nothing is lacking. So, so you have to understand this, is that God uh, was giving them a land, a place, a geographical location that would produce the things that they were believing for. And so we had to get them out of this place to that place in relationship with him, and that's where all the blessings and abundance would flow. This is a land where nothing is lacking. It is a land where iron is as common as stone and copper is abundant in the hills. When you have eaten your field, be sure to praise the Lord your God for the land he has given you, but that is the time to be careful. The prosperity and the favor is a time to be careful. Beware that in your plenty, You do not forget the Lord your God and disobey his commands, regulations, and decrees that I'm giving the day. For when you become full and prosperous and have built fine homes to live in, and when your flocks and herds have become very large and your silver and gold have multiplied. He doesn't say if. Why do we pray so much about provision and blessing and promised land? He doesn't say if. He says when. Oh, make no mistake about it. If you obey the Lord, there is provision that comes with obedience. He says, and when your flocks and herds have become very large and your silver and gold have multiplied along with everything else, be careful. Do not become proud. What did we talk about last week that God's dealing with in our community? Pride. And I feel like this week the Holy Spirit is saying, Julian, just slow down for a second because people are starting to think, oh, this is great. My blessing, my promised land. No, 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 no. Be careful that you don't become proud. At that time, and forget the Lord your God who rescued you from slavery in Egypt. Don't forget that he led you through the great and terrifying wilderness with his poisonous snakes and scorpions. Uh, Yesterday at this pastor's retreat, I was in San Diego, and right around dusk, where the snakes like to come out, I almost stepped on a baby rattlesnake. It happened. I almost died. I'm grateful I get to be here tonight. Some people accused me that it was probably a worm. It wasn't a worm. I shined a light on it. It was a baby rattler with fangs. Now I know what Adam felt like. I got a visitation from the serpent and I was scared. And I just wanted to say that and move on. Well said. said. I just want to say that and move on, that I was afraid. Uh, But he said um, he was in a scary place with poisonous snakes and scorpions where it was so hot and dry. And he gave you water from the rock. He fed you with manna in the wilderness of food unknown to your ancestors. And then he says it again. He did this to humble you and test you for your own good. He did all this so you would never say to yourself, I have achieved this wealth in my own strength and energy. Remember the Lord your God. He is the one who gives you power to be successful in order to fulfill the covenant he confirmed to your ancestors with an oath. And so as we're breaking this down and we're talking about Chico's, I felt like the Lord when I was praying for you, God was saying, some people are looking for the cheat code. And there is a very specific process in this whole thing of Joshua. Because what I'm realizing is, yes, we can go through the book of Joshua. But you can't really go through the book of Joshua without going through the book of Deuteronomy. And you really can't go through the book of Deuteronomy without going through the book of Exodus. Because Exodus, Deuteronomy, and Joshua all come together and create ultimately three phases uh, that were all involved in battles and blessings. And so while I don't have time to do a series on both Deuteronomy and Exodus so that you can better understand Joshua, I wanna bring up a few thoughts as the Lord was showing me from Exodus and from Deuteronomy because they both lead to Joshua where we actually have battles and blessings. But you cannot understand Joshua without reading Deuteronomy and you cannot understand Deuteronomy Without reading Exodus. Exodus, Deuteronomy, and Joshua really are the three books where you would need to read to really deeply understand battles and blessings. And maybe you want to do a Bible study and read through those three books for your own. I want to encourage you to do that. Uh, but as I was praying today, I felt like God showed me clearly these three things that happened in those three books before we even got to the battles that would bring the blessings. And uh, Exodus was their exit from Egypt. Um, And then Deuteronomy was their uh, revelation of who God was in the wilderness and and the fruitfulness and the prosperity showed up in Joshua in the promised land. And so I want you to write this down. Biblically, God uh, uh, gave, I put gives, but it's God gave freedom in Egypt, gave commands in the wilderness, fruitfulness and prosperity in the promised land. He gave freedom in Egypt, commands in the wilderness, and fruitfulness and prosperity in the promised land. And so Egypt, to Bible scholars, uh, represents sin. It just simply represents sin. It's like a type of sin. It's being in a place of slavery. And they were enslaved for 400 years. And Pharaoh, Bible scholars, like almost represent a type of the devil who is running this place that people need to get out of. And so the Bible says God heard the cries of Israel in Egypt after 400 years, and he sent Moses as a deliverer to give them freedom, right? So he gave them freedom out of Egypt. And this is so important because so many people are so aware of the places they're trying to get into, but they're unaware of the places they need to get out of. And your revelation of where you're exiting, your exodus, It creates a revelation. I've said this before, and it's probably one of the most profound things that have ever come out of my mouth. Thank you, Jesus. Got to give him all the glory. But it is that your exit determines your entrances. What you're willing to leave determines the place that you go to. And as I was studying the book of Joshua, I realized one thing. God never told them a word about the promised land when they were in Egypt. He didn't say one thing. It wasn't until he got them out of Egypt that he spoke to them about the promises of God in the world. So, if you're not hearing from God about what he has for you, God may be trying to speak to you about what you need to get out of, not where you're going. We have so many young people that are thinking about what they wanna do and what do I wanna do and what do, I, what do I need to get out of. What thoughts, what behaviors, what patterns, what sin? Where is their pride? Where is their insecurity? Where is their hopelessness? God, what do I need to get out of? Because if you can get me out of this, then when you get me out of it, you'll reveal to me where I'm going when you reveal to me where I need to leave. And there's these thought patterns that um, even for me, and I'm 44 years old, so give yourself some grace, that I'm not hearing as much about where we're going. And God is like, I'm trying to tell you some things you need to get out of. And there's some things with the way that I grew up with my mom that are manifesting themselves in my marriage and in my life. And and God's saying, I don't want you to just have a family life that's good enough to not get divorced. I want you to have a family life that's good enough to be an example for those who never even had a family. And so God's saying, there's some things I'm going to get you out of. There's some things in your journey that I want to be fruitful, not just not toxic. And so many times we go through such toxic things. Anybody ever, your, your family was just, your family was your family. And you almost start patting yourself on the back because you ain't crazy. Like, you know what I mean? At least, at least I got a job. Like, yeah, like, I'm glad you got a job, but like, just because your family was broke doesn't mean that that's all that God has for you is to just not be poor, right? Like, we can have this mindset And and God's trying to get you out of. And I can tell you, if you're not confident in who you are in Christ, if you're not sure that you're sure that you're sure that God loves you, God's not trying to talk to you about your promised land. He's trying to talk to you about your bondage and slavery. And since we have people in different places, we have some people that, yeah, you're ready to hear about your promise, but some people are ready to hear about their bondage and God wanted them to get out of Egypt and they wanted to get out of Egypt. But I want to read you this passage of scripture about and this is so important. Because I want you to read this first, write this down. The enemy wants you to think your slavery is freedom, God's commands are a burden and God is making all your dreams God making all your dreams come true is your fruit. I want to read that again. The enemy wants you to think your slavery is freedom, God's commands are a burden. And God making all your dreams come true as your fruit. That's what he wants you to think. And so we need, in order to really walk in the bad, the, 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 this battles and blessings series, we need a revelation of freedom. We need a revelation of God's commands. And we really need to know what fruitfulness and prosperity really is. Because I don't want to believe God to give me something that the devil's been speaking to me about. And some of us, we're believing God for something that the devil is saying. You're gonna be famous, you're gonna be rich, you're gonna be this, you're gonna be that. And and then now we turn to God and say God, and that didn't come from God, right? And I'm not saying you're not gonna be those things, maybe you are, but we need a revelation of of freedom. And I'm gonna skip around a little bit um, in, in my notes, but in the book of Exodus, God tells Pharaoh, through the prophet Moses, that he wants his people to be free. But I want you to hear why. Exodus seven sixteen says this, then say to him, the Lord, the God of Hebrews has sent me to say to you, let my people go, set them free. Why? So that they may worship me. You know, as we're talking about these blessings, I need to deal with somebody's freedom. I need to deal with somebody's freedom. I believe God is bringing me personally in our church into a great season of blessing. And I've been gone the last two days dealing with some things in my life that I discovered were, were bondage. And the reason why I know they were bondage is they've been affecting my worship. Bondage is what affects your worship. Not even your, your mind, not even your emotions. Some of us are just more emotional than others. I I want you to free you from the fact that if you cry a lot and you feel like you have, you wake up and you have a bad day, that's, that's okay. That doesn't mean you're in bondage. A lot of times, like, we let people put pressure on us to not have our emotions. I've done that to people, and I'm learning that emotions are okay. Emotions that affect your worship are bondage. If you're so depressed you can't worship, if your day is so bad you can't pray, if your day is so bad you can't walk in gratitude, that is not an emotion. That is bondage. And God wants to set you free so that you can worship him. And freedom is not um, a, 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 the, what you can do whatever you want. Freedom is the ability to worship God. Right. I know you're free, not based on how you feel, but how, how your ability to worship when you, don't, when you feel a certain way. And I realized that my worship has been affected. I used to sit around and worship God, and, and my time with the Lord was, just has been so profound. I realized... Man, that's waning a little bit. I'm struggling a little bit in this area. Maybe I'm feeling this sense of stress, and, and, and I realize that, that I'm being robbed of my worship. I'm being robbed of my worship. Freedom is the ability to worship God. And don't assess your freedom by how you feel. Assess your freedom by your ability to worship regardless of how you feel. That's freedom. Freedom. And so many times I want to be free from an emotion or free from a situation, and I think my freedom is actually being in a better spot or feeling a better way, but my freedom is exclusively seen through my ability to worship. He said, set them free so that they may worship. Here's the interesting thing about uh, uh, freedom. In 2 Corinthians 3, verses 7 through 18, it says, Now the ministry of death, this is the law, carved and letters on stone came with such a glory that the Israelites could not gaze at Moses' face because of its glory. I, I, I want to stop there for a second it's important. The, the law, the Ten Commandments, and I think that even whether it's to our kids and, 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 and kids' ministry, whatever it is, I think, you know, whenever you go to, my preschool, the Ten Commandments were written on the law, I mean, on the wall in my preschool, and Whenever you teach the law without relationship, that is the ministry of death. You are killing their relationship with Jesus. If they know the law and they don't know love, you're killing their relationship with Jesus. And so um, we have to be careful about that. The law is holy. The law is perfect. The law is good. But the law without love, the law without relationship, the Bible calls the ministry of death. But even this ministry came with such a glory. That Moses couldn't show his face, his face. It says, But if that came with the glory, will not the ministry of the Spirit have even more glory? For if there was glory in the ministry of condemnation, the ministry of righteousness must far exceed its glory in its glory. Indeed, in this case, what once had glory has come to have no glory at all, because of the glory that surpasses it. For if what was brought to an end came with glory, much more uh, will uh, much more will what is permanent have glory. The ministry of the spirit. Since we have such a hope, we are very bold, not like Moses who would put a veil over his face so that the Israelites might not gaze at the outcome of what was being brought to the end. What was being brought to the end was God's laws and regulations. And the only way that you could have a relationship with God was to fulfill all those regulations. That was, that's what was coming to an end. And why? Because through Christ that veil to the law is taken away. This is important. I'm gonna read all of this again. Not like Moses who would put a veil over his face so that the Israelites might not gaze at the outcome of what was being brought to the end, but their minds were hardened. For to this day, when they read the old covenant, the same veil remains unlifted because only through Christ is it taken away. Yet to this day, whenever Moses has read, a a veil lies over their hearts. But when one turns to the Lord, the veil is removed. Now the Lord is the spirit, and where the spirit of the Lord is, there is freedom. Why is this so important? What was their bondage causing to happen? It wasn't an emotion. Their bondage in Egypt and how it affected them. When God gave them the law, his ways of doing things, his word, his will for their lives, they were so blinded by their sin, they couldn't see that the law was good. And so then the spirit of God came to bring freedom. And the Bible says it removed the veil so that they could see that what God was trying to tell them was good. So here in our culture in LA, how I know this city is in bondage is when you try to give this city the word of God, there's a veil. They cannot see that the word of God is good. They cannot see that that what God has to say about sexuality is good. What God has to say about marriage is good. What God has to say about obedience is good. Sometimes I'll speak for myself as a pastor, what God has to say about the church is good. Like even if it doesn't include me, even if I don't get the preach, even if I don't get the book deal, even if I don't get the influence, even if I don't get the thing, what God wants to do is good. And and freedom is having a veil over your spiritual eyes so that you cannot see what God is saying is good. And now you need God to tell you things that you think are good. And this is how we process people, process their faith in bondage. God can only show them things, whether it's a promotion at the job, then God is good. But if God does or says anything to me that I don't agree with, then a veil is over. And the Holy Spirit has come to remove that veil so that you can see God's word for what it is, that it is good and awesome and gonna lead you to a great place. And the Bible says this is the ministry of life and the Holy Spirit's job is to bring you freedom. Not to do whatever you want, but to remove the veil to God's word so you can do whatever he wants. That is freedom. Freedom to worship, freedom to obey God, freedom to be who you were created to be. God created you for a purpose and the Holy Spirit is here to bring freedom so that you can obey God. Now imagine this. Imagine someone saying, your freedom is gonna mean you get to do less. The world teaches freedom means you get to do more. But God's freedom means you get to do less, but it's gonna be much better than the more. In, in the kingdom, less is often more. And so why is this important? Because I'm talking about battles and blessings. I'm talking about the promised land. And over the last couple of days, the Lord's like, wait a minute, but there's some areas of your life you're not free. You don't believe that what I said is true. There's parts of the Bible that you're too scared to say you don't believe that because you don't obey it. You do it your own way. And, and one of those things that I realize that, um, that I don't believe is, is, is husbands love your wives as Christ loved the church. I, I'm spo- I believe I'm supposed to love the church like Christ loved the church. Oh, I'm preaching now. It says, "Husbands love your wives like Christ loved the church. Not husbands love your church like Christ loved the church. Love your wives like Christ loved the church. So your church is your wife." And I'm like, "Do I love the church more than I love my wife?" I think I do. I think I do. I think I. There's a lot of things in church I'd rather be doing than just sitting and watching a movie. I like to be busy. I like to work hard. And over this last couple of days, God's like, you're not going to the promised land because I need you to be free. You have to view your wife the way that I view the church, and pastors are viewing the church the way that Christ viewed the church. And I need you to view your wife. Like, I need you to be thinking about what your wife is called to do, what your kids are called to do. I got you. I got you. And so as God's unpacking this, I'm like, well, where does this bondage come from? Well, I never saw a healthy marriage. I never saw a marriage that brought any life to anybody. So now I'm thinking the win is that we just stay together and we made it. You know, but God is like, no. The same way that I'm going to blow up the church, I want to blow up your marriage. The same way I got the church on this rock, I'll build my church. I need you to build your family. And, I, and this revelation I had was, there are certain things that I'm still in bondage based off the way that I grew up and I'm not able to respond and worship God at home. Here, I'm lit. Prophecy everywhere going down, but at home, man, there's just this disconnect with the Lord and and at home. And God's saying, I want to fix that. I want to fix that. Freedom from Egypt. I want you to think about what your Egypt is. What is the place that you need to get out of? Because I don't want to preach a sermon series and you're thinking about the place you need to go to and not the place you need to get out of. And once you get out of that place, got some good news, now you're in the wilderness. Remember Egypt is the place you need to get out of? But he didn't lead them straight to the promised land. He led them to the wilderness and and God gives his commands in the wilderness. This is where you learn what God wants from you. And this is where you learn what God wants. Uh, what God's plans are and what God's will is. And I feel like this is the season most of our churches in is they're in the wilderness. They're learning how to worship God and what God wants and what God prefers. And this is going to be very hard for us as a church because I don't want to lose sight of his love and I don't want to lose sight of his grace. Hear, Hear what I'm saying. But I also don't want to lose sight of his word and his commands and his authority over me and over this church. I, I think that um, a season is coming where, uh, and it's probably here. Remember where I talked about we don't, we're not going to be able to rely on Sundays as much. And then that happened. We couldn't rely on Sundays. But now we're stepping into a season where we're not going to be able to rely on me as much. Meaning that your disappointment on whether or not I'm preaching is not going to get you to where God has for you. Your hunger for God himself and his word, no matter who's sharing it. And I think even over this next six months, I'm gonna be careful about how much I actually preach so that you can see that God wants to speak to you personally, that you don't need a priest, you are a priest. We are all a holy nation of priests. And it is the priesthood of the lead pastor that is destroying the authority of the Holy Spirit in the church. And if I don't let you and reveal to you the authority of the Holy Spirit, now when you go here, you're going to hear from God, the Spirit's going to fall. But when you get into your workplace and you need your relationship with the Holy Spirit needs to give you dominion in the entertainment industry, your relationship with the Holy Spirit needs to give you dominion in the marketplace, your relationship with the Holy Spirit needs to give you dominion at your school, you don't have it. And in order to have dominion and feel like you're in the presence of God, you would need Pastor Julian to follow you around everywhere you go. And God did not say Julian would never leave your forsake you. God said the spirit would never leave you or forsake you. Where the spirit is, there is freedom. And so any place you go where other people are in bondage because they're in that place, when you have the Holy Spirit, you now bring freedom. It doesn't say, it says wherever the spirit is, there is freedom. So God will bring you out of a place of bondage into a place of wilderness so that you can learn to manifest freedom and God's presence everywhere you go. And where God's presence is, there is always blessing. The biggest battle you're getting ready to face is manifesting God's presence in a place where the enemy is manifesting demonic forces and powers. So... So we now, let's say, for example, if you even with the political stuff and you think that, uh, you know, conservatives follow God and Democrats don't, whatever you may think, well, you need to go in a democratic convention and manifest the presence of God. That's what we need to do. We are here to carry the presence of God. And that's what we're here to learn into the wilderness, to carry the presence of God where we go so that when we show up, so does God. And I feel like what God is doing in this Battles and Blessings is we love it when God shows up at church, but he doesn't show up at home, he doesn't show up at work, he doesn't show up at the coffee shop. He only shows up at church. And what if we had a a church where this wasn't the only place that God showed up? And because this is the only place that God shows up, we keep doing more things so God can show up. Let's do a conference, let's plan a campus, let's do this. I don't know if we're going to plan a campus. What if the campus is your job? What if the campus is your college? Like I get campuses, but what if we plan a person, not a building? What if we just do that? Because I really believe God is saying, I'm calling Oasis Church to manifest my presence wherever they go. And every tongue, and every uh, every tongue will confess, and every knee will bow that Christ is Lord. So, what happens when you show up at an audition and Christ is manifesting Himself because of the way you're living? And the only way Christ can manifest Himself is not your love, your living. Oh my God! This is why in the wilderness we learn to live like God, not love like God, live like God. Because when we live like God, we are loving like God. I, I want you to, to read this, and this is why God wants to teach us his commands in the wilderness. 1 John uh, chapter 5, verse 2 through 5. This is how we know that we love the children of God, by loving God and carrying out his commands. In fact, this is love for God, to keep his commands. And his commands are not a burden, for everyone born of God overcomes the world. This is the victory that overcomes the world. All those victory songs we sing in church, you know a lot of times we think they are? we think they're victory to get us to be a part of the world we always wanted to be a part of. I'm getting victory by booking all day. I'm getting victory by getting... We use victory in our mind as we want to be a part of the world. We want to get victory and, so that we can be a part of the world. No, but victory is overcoming the world. It's to be different than what the world is. And so then now love is I do what God wants. Now when I do what God wants, now I can manifest his love In every environment, love is not being nice to people. Love is obeying God so that when I show up, so does God. God is love. We as a church are going to manifest God's presence everywhere we go because in church, we're learning how to obey him. I'm starting to believe that church is about reaching lost people, but it's mostly about teaching found people to obey God. Because disobeying God was how they got lost in the first place. And I don't ever want you to come to Oasis to find Jesus and then leave to have to find him again. Because that's what happens. I know this because I'm the pastor of the church. And I spent two days looking for Jesus. Because I think I lost him in the transition and I lost him in the pandemic. Have you lost Jesus in the pandemic? Then you need a wilderness season so that you can learn to love God. And how you learn to love God is by learning what God loves. It's not flowery and fluffy. You learn to love God by learning what he loves. This is so powerful. And then, once you get the freedom from Egypt, whatever that thing you need to be free from, and once you learn what God loves in the wilderness, and the reason why God, the wilderness sucks by the way, can I just be honest, the wilderness is horrible. Like, I, like, I'm in a wilderness season. It is awful. I hate it. But the wilderness is God stripping you of everything you used to rely on so you have no choice but to rely on him. He strips you of everything in the wilderness. Nothing, you don't get to do anything you like to do. You don't get anything to do anything you're excited to do because what God has for you is so much better than what you want. So he has to take that from you so that you can learn to rely on him. So you can learn to listen to God. And then once you learn to obey God, then you find out what love means. Then he sends you into the promised land to get fulfilled, to fulfill his purpose, not to find love. You don't find love in the promised land. So once you're there, watch this. Then it's time for fruitfulness and prosperity because now God can trust you. Here's the thing. We always talk in church about trusting God, but we never talk in church about can God trust you? Yeah, you can trust God, but can God trust you? Because some of us are trusting God for something to happen, and God's saying, I know you're trusting me to do that, but I can't trust you to give it to you. You need to be trustworthy so I can give that thing to you. And you're trustworthy by how you obey specifically things that you don't want to. Uh, I, I think this is wildly important because as we step out of this wilderness season, And I want everyone to just, like, battles and blessings. The battles that God set up, the motivation seemed to be for them to learn how to obey him. And if you are watching this online, I want you to free me up for this thought. I want you to come to church for this thought. Yes, we want community. Yes, we want all those things. But everything we do as a church, this is not, you don't come to church so you can make a friend. You come to church so you can make a friend that will help you obey God. Does that make sense? You don't come to church to hear a sermon. You come to church to hear a sermon that will help you obey God. So I want you to get this in your thought, in your head right now. God has so much for me, I need to learn to obey him. Because if I obey him, that means I love him. This is wildly important. Because then the third thing is prosperity. Um, I want to read to you John... Uh, 3, uh, not John 3. Yeah, John 3, verses chapter 1, verse 2. We're gonna close with this. I'm gonna invite Grace to come up. Uh, this is John, the writer of John. Um, says, uh, beloved. I pray that you may prosper. But notice that he says, beloved. You are loved. Before you talk about prosperity, you gotta talk about love. He says, beloved. I pray that you may prosper in all things and be in health just as your soul prospers. God wants us to be in our promised land. God wants us to have blessings. These battles are to teach us obedience because without obedience, there cannot be love. There cannot be love without obedience. And we make love the love's, world's version of love. And I say this to you because God is saying, Julian, you're gonna... Y'all are going. Y'all are going. But you got to tell people the truth. And prosperity is not the things that we want. Prosperity is the journey that we take. Can I read you the definition of prosperity? It means to be on the right path, a profitable path, to go on a prosperous journey, a journey on a specific road. So here is what prosperity is. Let's just say, I don't want to grab this bass guitar because I don't want to break it. Um, They'll be mad. But let's just say um, this table represents all the things that I've been praying for and believing for. What God doesn't want you and I to do is to think that this is prosperity. That is not the biblical version. I hope there's a Tesla on this table. I hope there's a house on this table, and there are people right here that are uh, in our church that are believing God for a home, you're putting offers down, and and and, and what the enemy wants you to think is that this is prosperity. This is the prosperity. It's not the prosperity. The biblical definition of prosperity means path. So the devil knows that this is not prosperity. So the devil wants to ruin your, your prosperity by getting you to take the wrong path to these things. So this is the biblical version of prosperity is how you get there, not what you get when you do. It's how you get there, not what you get when you do. So this is profound. Do you know that both God sometimes and the devil have the same things for you? So when I say God has so much for you, the devil has often those same things. When Jesus was tempted in the wilderness, what did the devil offer him? The exact same things God wanted to give him. He said, worship me, and I'll give you every kingdom. What does the Bible say? When Jesus returns, he's going to have all the kingdoms. Worship me, and you'll have everything. You know why Jesus didn't tempt, uh, the devil didn't tempt Jesus with a woman? Because Jesus wasn't called to be married. If Jesus was called to be married, there would have been a woman up on that. The devil often says, I'll give you that. What did he tempt Adam and Eve with? God doesn't want you to eat that fruit. Because he knows you'll be just like him. Eat it and you'll be just like him. Well, when God created them, what did he say? Let us make man in our image that they may be like us. So the devil offered a different path to something that God wanted to do too. And so prosperity is the path that you choose to get the blessing. And we choose the path of the cheat code. The enemy wants us to choose the path of the cheat code where we can circumvent left, right, left, right, up, down, up, down, B.A. start, let's get out of the word of God, forget holiness, jump around tithing, oh, let's dodge this. And then we can get to the things that God has for us by cheating. And the devil knows that will destroy us. But if we pick the path of the battle, which the battles are all set up To teach us how to obey God. And sometimes it might take us longer, hopefully, not 40 years in the wilderness. And sometimes you might be over here serving in an area of church. We have no idea why you're there and it has nothing to do with your gift. Or you might end up over here at a job you hate. You might over be over here that something that doesn't fulfill you. You might end up over here, but at the end of the day, this journey is designed to develop your obedience so that when you get to what God has for you, you look back on the journey and you thank God because this will never make you praise God. This, without the right path, will break you and destroy you. And so what God is saying to you and I Is yes, keep talking about this battles and blessings. But don't get off the path. Jesus is the way, the path. That means journey. The truth and the life. So if we're going to get to the life, the blessings, we got to stay, make sure Jesus is the way, and make sure we're telling each other the truth. And so I want to pray for you because I really believe all this past couple days, God's really unpacked this and said, Julian, man, I'm bringing these blessings but the battle is to learn obedience. And so Father, we thank you for those watching online, God. I pray, Lord, that right now you are filling somebody fresh with your spirit. And even somebody that is just a little bit too excited to hear from me needs to be more excited to hear from you. And what you're going to do in this next season is you're going to cultivate such an intimacy with Christ that no person could replace this. No trauma from the past could hinder it. And God, what you're going to do is bring such a powerful story of restoration to those who are hearing me that they'll be able to manifest, literally bring your presence into the places. You have called them to be and they would remember that the very promised land that you gave the Israelites was enemy territory before they got there. It was enemy territory before they got there. It was enemy territory before they got there. And what I feel like you're saying in this spiritual realm is that many people feel like they're in enemy territory, and because they're in enemy territory, they're not in the promised land. But you prophesied a promise that was actually enemy territory, but when Israel got there, what was enemy territory became the promised land. And I'm speaking that and praying that you're going to turn what was enemy territory into Into your promised land. Some of your homes feel like enemy territory. Some of your jobs feel like enemy territory. Man, maybe even this church, you're struggling listening to this message because you're not as connected as you once were. Maybe this church feels like enemy territory, but as you obey God and as you worship him, your enemy territory will become your promised land if you commit to never use a cheat code but to let God fulfill his process, however he wants to do it and however long he wants to take. I'm speaking this over you and I believe it in Jesus' name, amen, amen. Hey, I love you so much, church. I really believe that God is going to uh, continue to unfold this message in your life. Be encouraged, be hopeful. Uh, God is faithful and he is really good. And he has such great plans for us as a church. And I can't wait to see how it all unfolds as we keep learning uh, what it means to live in freedom, what it means to obey him and worship him, and how we can really walk in the blessings of God. I love you so much and can't wait to see you all soon.